Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. I got Harold, Max, and Angela waiting on hold. If you guys can please hold on or call back in 10 minutes, I got Tommy Marquez, our uh, Veterans Affairs. Uh, every Tuesday with Tommy on now, but I definitely want to get to the topics you're calling about. So if you can please, Harold, Max, and Angela, if you could please hold on or call back in 10 minutes, I'll be sure to get to your calls. But right now we have Tommy Marquez, who is a former Navy veteran, um, well, a Navy veteran, uh, former senior member of the congressional staff in Congress, and now a Veterans Affairs advocate. Tommy, thanks for joining us. And happy birthday. It was your birthday this past week, huh? Yeah, it was, Rob. So I got to tell you, I had a whole thing planned for uh, the GI Bill, and uh, I listened to you on delay on the Odyssey app. And if you guys ever miss Rob's show, you can always go back and listen on the Odyssey app. But the way you started off the last hour, like it's, I was, that was just one, that was beautiful, Rob. Thank you for doing that. I'm sorry that it's hot in your studio, <laughs> but um, your words about the children and, um, you know, I try not to actually reflect on 9-11. Uh, and I know everyone's got different takes on it. And you were there on Ground Zero. I was literally across the nation uh, in San Diego, California, in Coronado. That was then, what was then Special Boat Squadron 1, now Naval Special Warfare Group 3. And, uh, you know, I remember it occurring that morning. I was supposed to be on leave. And I had to go in. And I was trapped on the Coronado Bridge. Bay Bridge for about uh, four hours. You could actually feel the bridge swaying, and we were all trapped on it, waiting to get into the base because uh, we were all recalled for those of us who were on uh, Naval Special Warfare. And I remember thinking, well, this is how I'm going to die. <laughs> like, they're going to this, this is how it's going to end. You know, listen to all the radio stations going to AM station, AM station. And, um, like, oh, this is how I'm going to die because we're all trapped on this bridge, and if somebody had half a brain. Uh, they blow up this bridge and that'd be it. I got to the command. Um, we regrouped. It took like an hour and about, I think 5.30 or 6 o'clock that night, we had a meeting um, with the entire command. We said, like, who, no BS, um, can go right now and deploy for your country, like today, right now, because they're sending people out and we need people. So who can go? And I was... You know, I'm so shocked about this. I raised my hand, and I, I thought, like, everyone was going to raise their hand. But I was one of three people. Uh, there was two SEALs and then me. He said, yeah, we can go. And I was in disbelief how many people were like, yeah, yeah, I got school. I got kids. I was like, no, like, let's go. Yeah. And shortly after that, I left. And I didn't know where I was going or what I was going to do. I got some additional training. I got some gear and some stuff. And then, boom. Uh, I found myself in Afghanistan shortly after in 2001, and uh, uh, it was just like a whirlwind, and I try not to think about it, but then listening to you, um, you know, and, and for those of you guys who don't know, Rob's story, it's incredible, and I've always, I think I've texted you this like three or four times, like, hey, man, I want to talk to you about 9-11, but like, I'm not ready to talk about it, and uh, then I heard what you had to say today. And about like hugging your family, telling them I love you, uh, and it's kind of funny. I am. I tell my kids that every time I talk to them, like I love you. I tell my nieces, my nephews, I love you. You matter to me. Um, earlier today, I was just filming a video, and uh, the person I was filming with, she kind of laughed, and she said, "You said you 
say, hey, you love all the veterans. I'm like, I do. I, I love them. Like, we should tell each other that. We should encourage each, uh, each other that uh, to, to say those things, to say how we feel, to, to treat people um, as if there is no tomorrow. And um, if you do that, you know, you kind of, you know, I, I do it, I don't know, in honor of, of, of the people who went to work that morning on September 11th and thinking that they were going to come home, it was just a normal day, and they never did. To the, you know, the firemen, the policemen, and all you guys who were there, just the, just the businessman who went into work that day, the father, the mother, the, the daughter, the son who went in. And, uh, man, I tried not to think about that so hard, Rob, but then I heard what you had to say. Like, I'm just clutching my heart here thinking about it now. And uh, I have never been in New York, and I've talked to you about this. I went, and I purposely... I went to see my niece at West Point, and I purposely avoid going to New York City because I, I, I want to go and I want to see it, but I, I still don't know 22 years later if I'm ready for it. So I'm sorry to get off on a whole diatribe, but uh, uh, I was, that was wonderful what you had to say, Rob, and I appreciate you for doing that. No, I was in yesterday and did the show here, and uh, it was kind of emotional yesterday, so if you want to give the Odyssey app a listen to, to yesterday's show, it was a lot more in-depth. The entire show was about 9-11, about my experiences, about such like that. And I know we, you've said a couple of times that we need to sit down and talk about it, but when you're ready and, and when, when we have the time to do it in the right place, in the right setting, uh, we can have that conversation. But I, I got it pretty in-depth yesterday. Um, yeah. during the show, three hours here. Uh, yeah. Played some audio that I haven't heard since that day of uh, Officer Moira Smith's last, last breaths gasping for help on the radio uh, before she oh. perished. Uh, but, it, it uh, you know, it's good that we have these conversations. Uh, you know, I wanted to play to give the, the listeners that reality of what we what we lived through that day. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people see see it from the external view of the news footage. Uh, but such like that. But our military members, you know, who respond to that, you said you were in you were in Afghanistan, boots on the ground, and just weeks later, I was at the in Annapolis this weekend at the Navy football game, and I was speaking to a good friend of mine, uh, Rear Admiral Paul Becker, and he was based in San Diego. He was two star admiral. Nine eleven happened. He got his uh, bag ready. Couldn't get to uh, North Island because of the, uh, the the bridge. The bridge. Ended up walking over the bridge, flagging down an enlisted person. <laughs> could, so, can you imagine, you know, a two-star admiral yeah. knocking on your window and saying, "Hey, young man, you got to get me over to this base." Within 15 minutes, he was on a helo out to an aircraft barrier group, with the battle group, with the instructions to support the admiral that was already with the battle group, just in case that admiral was taken out on a different ship and take command of the battleship mm-hmm. to protect our west coast. And they were out there for yeah. weeks till they realized, okay, there's not a, a, an imminent attack coming externally at this point. They got him back in. And, um, you know, he ended up being the director of intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff after that. But he was giving, that yeah. was his perspective of that day, what happened. And it, it's it's amazing that you bring up the same story stuck in the same traffic because he actually kissed his wife goodbye, jumped out of the car and started hoofing it over the bridge with his, uh, with his uh, you know, overnight bed. It's, it's no comparison to what was going on there in New York City. But let me tell you, it was a debacle. And if any of you guys are familiar with San Diego, uh, you know that bridge, and it's, it's iconic. But when I got to the command, man, I don't even know if I could say this. It's 22 years later. But there was a plan like, hey, uh, I'm pretty sure this is declassified now. Hey, like, we could blow the bridge. So get there. If, so, if something comes in, be prepared to blow the bridge. 
and we were like, damn, there's people out there. Uh, you know, yeah. and it was just like, yeah, they got to protect the Navy. And so, um, yeah, it was just a complete uh, debacle of everything that was going on and, and uh, security checkpoints to get in every day until I left. And then when I came back, it was kind of funny. Um, in 2002, coming back and, and it was like life was normal again. But when I, I thought that the country would be a certain way, and uh but no it had gone back to normal when i came back and i i think i kind of missed that that i didn't get to see the transition and see all the stuff that i heard about and read about uh and i wish i would have but you know it brings to my point with uh veterans and i talk about this um you know dang it man if you're not doing something special with your life after all those things and you see all those things um and you make it back and you're fortunate enough to have gone through those events and uh, come back and you're not using your benefits, your, you know, your GI bill, your made cause from whatever it may be, you know, you I just shake my head to that. And I think if you're fortunate enough, and I've thought about this a lot, you know, but if you're fortunate enough to make it back, the best thing I could do to honor those, lives who were lost and those who didn't, who were unfortunate, um, is to do something worthwhile in my life. And I did that using my benefits and stuff like that from the VA and other opportunities I got from people um, and my military experience and knowledge. And I'm sorry, man, I, I don't have an update for everyone today. I totally lost my mind on what I was going to say when I started listening to your show today. And I started replaying it back because um, it was so impactful. And uh, I feel like a punk not listening to your show yesterday because if you're strong enough to talk about it, I should be, you know, strong enough to listen. Um, but I think, you know, how we're going to solve this problem is we're going to have to get together, have some salmon, smoke some cigars, <laughs> and I will just sit there for once in my life, be quiet, and just listen to your story and what happened and, um, and the heroes that day. And I, I, uh, I got to put that on the calendar. We got to make that happen, Rob. And if you guys are listening, if you've made it through those things, you know, or you're a survivor or dependency of anyone, you know, and you ever need help, please go to, you know, someone to, to find some resources to get help uh, and, and do something worthwhile with your life. That's the best. To me, that's what I'm trying to do to honor those people who didn't come back. I couldn't say it better there. And uh, like I said, it's, it's, my timeline is not your timeline. Your timeline is not my timeline. That's for the individuals to to uh, to make for themselves. But I, like I said yesterday, through my experiences, what I've been through, and my own survivor's guilt that I've dealt with, my own things that I've dealt with, if there was anyone out there that felt the same, if you needed to talk to someone, I was here anytime, any day. And I know you're the same, my friend. So. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. We'll have that conversation, uh, you know, when the time is right. But I appreciate your insight today and your personal experience from uh, what happened at 9/11 out in uh, the West Coast in San Diego and a beautiful Coronado most of the time. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Hey, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll have a better update next week. God bless you, Rob. Thanks for everything you guys are doing. Uh, the show is great, and uh, Odyssey app, man, it's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it, Tommy. Thank you. We'll check in next week. Yeah. It's uh
421 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. Thank you, Rob. This traffic update is brought to you by Pentella Data Internet. Road work on 81 northbound near Glenwood, Lennoxville is causing a little bit of slowing. Not much to speak of. 81 both directions through the Scranton area is moving right around 40 miles per hour. 81 southbound in the Wilkes-Barre area does dip below 30 miles per hour. We don't have any reports of any... Big accidents and no major backups. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Today, fog early, then sunny and dry. Showers arrive in the evening, high 80. Tonight, showers and thunderstorms, low 62. Tomorrow, morning downpours and thunderstorms in the afternoon, sun, high 70. Thursday, partly sunny, less humid, high 70. Friday, more sunny, breezy, high 70. It's currently 70 degrees and mostly sunny now. Your official weather station, WILK. Hey, it's Rob O'Donnell with my two-month check-in on Be The New You Wait. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. Uh, I just lost uh, who I was going to take next in the calls. You can call or text at 570-883-0098. If you've been on hold or you called, you hung up before because we had the time with Tommy, um, please call back. I want to get to your calls, the topics that were up there I really wanted to get to. So uh, please call back if you could. Uh, let's go to uh, Mike from Wilkesbury on the Great Slavic Massacre of 1896. Mike. Mike, you there? Yes, I am. Okay, you're on the air. Okay. Well, back in Latimer, 1897, there were 19 men shot dead, 37 wounded. Now, the report had it six Poles, five Lithuanians, and eight Slovaks. Many of the wounded died later from their wounds. And this was all brought about by the sheriff of Luzerne County. I don't know his first name, but his last name was Martin. He ran off to Atlantic City, registered under an alias in a hotel there. Now, how come nobody ever talked about this? This happened on September 10th right in between all the other things that we had going. Well, back in 1896, you're saying? Right. Slavic Massacre. Right. And well. This is a great place for retributions. If I was a relative of one of these guys that were shot dead, I certainly would hire a Philadelphia lawyer to come and look into this because most of these people were shot in the back. Well... It's something that's on my radar now. I'll look into it, Mike, and uh, see what I can find out about it. But I'm glad you're putting it on my radar, and we'll see what the details are. Well, I said it just fell in between 911 and then uh, 109th wreck, and it just nobody ever talks about it. But right. it's certainly history of Luzerne County. No, oh, it is. Uh, that's why I'm interested to look into it. So I appreciate you putting it on my radar. Okay, buddy, you take it easy. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Right. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Sorry about that. Hit the wrong button. Um, oh, we got the call back. Let me go to 
Angela from Old Forge on the floods in northeast Pennsylvania. Angela, I'm sorry you were holding so long, but I wanted to get to your phone call. Oh, that's fine. How are you today? Good. How's everything going? Oh, not too bad. Um, so I, I was just reading some news today, um, you know, and with all the catastrophic flooding and everything going on like that, um, I just I, I feel that, you know, like more concern should should be going to a natural disaster and, you know, like the cost to fix and, and rebuild from the devastation from that. Um, and I, I also saw that um, a lot of home insurance uh companies were saying that they were going to try and cancel like natural disaster on uh at, for coverage because of how how much more common it's becoming so i just wanted to talk about that i haven't heard that i know there's high risk areas where some insurance companies i mean in florida there's insurance companies that won't cover anything in florida that's just their business decision uh, but there's others who take that uh i i think and i've talked about on this show we're going to get a sticker shock on all our insurances, be it our home insurance, our car insurance, because the, the inflationary costs to replace and rebuild things has uh, really not been factored in. So everyone I know in the past couple of months or recently that has gotten their renewal is, is I, I just saw a friend that they said their car insurance doubled for no apparent reason. Just the fact that they, they reevaluated what material costs, what it costs to actually get it fixed and do those things. Uh, when your car gets damaged, and the home insurance is going to be no different because with the with the trades practices, with the uh, supply chain issues and the the delays in building stuff, everything costs more. So insurance is going to have to cost more as else. But as far as yeah. them as far as them, you know, not insuring people or specific disasters, um, I, that's why we shop around. That if a company chooses to do that, you know, they, they'll it, it causes us to look around, but it's going to cost more. Uh, it looks like Pima, the Pennsylvania Emergency Management Agency, is is in Northeast Pennsylvania. They have been since since Monday, at least Sunday. I think they started arriving. There are de- uh, emergency declarations for, of disaster in certain counties, Luzerne and Lackawanna being one of them. I believe Wyoming was another. And we'll okay. s- we'll see where it comes from. It um, you know we've talked about it. The the loss of thankfully, I mean, the only loss of life and, and any loss of life is tragic. But thankfully, it was only just one. Uh, the 60-year-old right. woman from from the Abington Clark Summit area, as tragic as it was, it's it's a, it's amazing that there wasn't more. And the fact that we had our emergency responders out there, our PennDOT people, our construction people out there, I mean, there there was I, I read a story earlier today as well where someone had a contracting business and the road wiped out, and he got his own machinery out to help you know put the put the creek that normally never floods back in its its riverbank. Because it was, it, it took a whole new direction. It dug a new trench to take a whole nother path through people's houses and roads. So he did that until authorities got there to take over, and probably saved a lot of damage in houses in the meantime. Yeah, and you know, people like that. I mean, they're truly amazing. You know, and I respect people like that so much because we need more people like that in the world who are just, you know, willing to, you do know, the take right time thing out of it's their day the do, to help others. Do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Absolutely. And if there's just more of that in the world today, man, wouldn't it just be such a more beautiful place? <laughs> it would be. Did you have any damage or anything from the floods, Angela? Um, I did, actually. My basement flooded, and it actually flooded all the way up that my ceiling tiles, um, all the way up to the ceiling tiles, all the way up the basement stairs. Uh, lost a lot of um, special things to me. My grandmother recently passed away. We had a lot of her things down there, and uh, that all got wiped out. So, you know, things that are sentimental, you can't get back, things like that. But it's tragic either way that you look at it, you know. 
Yeah, it's something that you shouldn't having to be dealing with now. Obviously, you know it kind of changes your trajectory for the next at least couple of weeks and immediate to of what you do, what you can do, what you need to do. You're going to have to dry out the house. I mean, I've had flooding, and it appears like you've probably had some in the past too. It's not as simply as okay, well, let's wait till the water recedes and everything's fine again. There's a dehumidification process. There's a you know a mold mitigation process. There's a drying out process that is that is very time consuming and expensive. Absolutely, I totally agree. Um, but I appreciate you calling, checking in, and I'm, I'm glad that you were in agreement that we need more in people in, in our area here. And a lot of people do do the right thing simply because it is the right thing to do. Yeah, definitely. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Angela. I appreciate you calling back in. And uh, it's the truth. You do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Let's start there and we can work everything else out. It's uh, 433 here at WILK. We'll be back after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 439. It's the point of the show where we honor our heroes across America who made the ultimate sacrifice. 83 police officers made the ultimate sacrifice on this day. Five from here in Pennsylvania. I'm going to start off with someone that I've been, the situation that I've been close to. Um, since being here is uh, the nine-year anniversary of the murder of uh, Corporal Byron Keith Dixon II, Pennsylvania State Police. September 12, 2014, was shot and killed in an ambush at the Blooming Grove Barracks in Pike County at 11 p.m. He had just walked out of the front door of the barracks when he was struck by a 308 caliber rifle shot. A dispatcher who was inside the barracks attempted to pull him into the building but also came under fire and had to retreat back into the building. A second trooper who had been in the parking lot also came to the trooper Dixon's aid, but was wounded before he also had to retreat into the building. The subject then shot Corporal Dixon a second time, killing him. Subject pled the scene, but was identified two days later, and we all know the, what had happened with the search for that individual, and he's not worthy of my my airtime, so I won't say his name, but our, our thoughts, prayers, and condolences go out to Corporal Byron Keith Dixon II's family, friends, co-workers, some of which I know very well. And we all owe a debt of gratitude to. Second will be Patrolman Albert James Bresner Jr., Pleasant Hillsboro Police Department in Pennsylvania um, in 1979. Died after attempting to rescue two boys from a sinkhole in Jefferson Memorial Township Detective Otto Nukeman, Johnson Township Police Department, died of a gunshot wound sustained two weeks earlier. Patrolman Theodore Brown, Munhill Borough Police Department, Pennsylvania, 1919, was struck and killed by a truck while crossing the street. And Police Officer John Chambers, Philadelphia Police Department, 1894, succumbed to gunshot wound two days earlier while serving a warrant. And those are our five from Pennsylvania. And again, our thoughts and prayers go out to the entire Dixon family and his colleagues, who I know remember him each and every day. It's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK. It's time for traffic and weather. And this Penn Teledata Internet traffic update is brought to you by Krispy Kreme in Clark Summit and Scranton. Bumper to bumper on Route 6 and 11 South State Street in Clark Summit. Gravel Pond Road to Grove Street. We have slow-moving traffic on 81 southbound, music to Avoca and... You're moving about 40 miles per hour through the Scranton or through the Wilkesbury area on 81 southbound as well.
Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, showers and thunderstorms, low 62. Tomorrow, morning downpours and thunderstorms, then afternoon sun, high 70. Thursday, partly sunny, less humid, high 70. Friday, more sun, breezy, high 70. It's currently 79 degrees outside at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. Well, it's, uh, and you can call or text at 570-883-0098. I'm just going through the text messages, uh, getting some text messages from people that were at the uh, the memorial in Lackawanna County yesterday. Um, I robbed my wife and I were at the memorial in McGloin Sack directly in front of us, and I pr- purposely looked for any other commissioner. Not one was, not one other was there. McGloin has our vote. Yeah, it makes me think, too. Someone else said, uh, you know, I hope Chermack is surprised on Election Day because I'm voting for his running mate, but not him. Another text message, Rob, I go to the memorial service every year. This is the first time Matt McGloin was ever there, and uh, and it worked. You mentioned he was there. Aw, votes. You know, he's not been in the area, though. He's come back here. So um, I'm not going to be that nefarious about it. it um I watched him, you know, from afar. I, I mentioned um, something, you know, when I was talking about my family because when he was uh, at Penn State during the summer, he would go up to the Lakeland area and practice with the receivers, my son being one of them. And I made a comment that my son held the record for uh, that he did that, that he did during his off season go up and practice with the high school um, receivers, which was great for them and, and I'm sure for him. But I, I said, thankfully, it was just a scrimmage and just a throwing and catching because uh, my son held the record for sacks and tackles for a loss for the Naval Academy for the sprint football team. So, uh, you know, he chuckled. And then, you know, when I was talking about my family and expri- explaining them. So um, more text messages. Hey, Rob, have you seen the story on a Democrat statehouse candidate in Virginia funding her campaign doing on-demand uh, videos? Um, risque videos to say that you know what it's her own life I really don't care what she does she's an adult her husband's an adult they're not doing anything criminal they're not doing anything wrong if you don't want to vote for her because of that uh, and I could understand why and I could understand why not it's your prerogative I really don't see that you know as an issue one way or another Uh, would I vote I don't know I don't really. I mean, it did get her name out there. She's, uh, you know, nationally known now. So if it worked for publicity, then it did. But as far as what her policies are, what she believes in, what she doesn't believe in, what her platforms are, I, I don't know anything about her. Plus, she's a Virginia State House, so it really has nothing to do with me. So have at it. She's a consenting adult. Her husband is, and everything that she's done has been legal. So I really could care less. Um, somebody wanted to talk about. Uh, well, to car insurances. Somebody said their car insurance only went up 50%, so they were lucky. Uh, homeowners insurance went up 25%, and I thought that was rough from somebody else. And uh, Rob says, uh, hey, Rob, the caller that talked about the shooting of Slavs and Poles 
was referencing the Latimer massacre where the sheriff and deputies opened fire on unarmed striking miners. Latimer in southern Luzerne County by Hazelton. Yeah, it's something I'm going to look into. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what goes on there. Somebody else texted in, uh, two commissioners are on their way out. Of course, they're not going to show. Um, they've been on their way out for a long time. So um, hopefully they go sooner rather than later because all they're doing is collecting a check at this point and setting up things for, you know, votes and what was a loan they wanted to take out. Something they shouldn't be doing should wait for the next set of commissioners. Um, today is... September 12th, and it's National Police Woman's Day. I made a post across social media uh, thanking all the women that I've worked with and know that have made me a better person You know, working for them. So a lot of them are close friends to this day. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to name a couple of them because they're special in my life. They're special in the people that they work for's life. They're special for the communities they serve's life. Um, I'm going to start off with a good friend of mine, Lieutenant Kim Effick of the Secaucus Police Department. She's the highest ranking woman for the Secaucus Police Department. And uh, she was a gym manager at the World Trade Center when 9-11 happened, evacuated the building. And when the fire and police were running past her into the building while she was evacuating the building, she said, uh, that's what I want to do with my life. She quit her career, went to the police academy and became a police uh, officer in the Secaucus Police Department is now a lieutenant. Another good friend of mine, Detective Natalie Fortier, San Diego Police Department, now retired. Worked for a joint task force out in San Diego with the FBI, uh, seizing assets from the criminal element. And a great friend and uh, detective out there. Major Amy Russo, Broward County Sheriff's Office, another great person that I know. Single mom. She's a command in the command staff down at the Broward County Sheriff's Office, does uh, great police work. Detective Christine Casilla. NYPD homicide retired. Homicide detective in the Bronx, as tough as they come, will work side by side with her any day, anywhere. Detective Morgan Ray, New York's New New Jersey's prosecutor's office, um, was shot seven times, returned fire to kill the person who shot her, and to this day still works as a detective. That's strength right there. Deputy Kelly, Kelly Covert, Broward County Sheriff's Canine. She's got a bloodhound that has found more missing people or wanted people than uh, probably states combined. And uh, Sergeant Patty Katinsky, Cleveland, Ohio sergeant, out there in Cleveland holding it down. All These are all women that I personally know, um, with the exception of one. I didn't, I've never worked with them, but I've seen the things they've done in their communities for their departments, the leadership they have, and the friendship that I have with them. And I love and cherish each and every one of them. And I know their communities and families do well. So to all the women out there in this National Police Woman's Day, September 12th, 2023, um, my hat goes off to you. You make policing a better place in this country. It's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. Um, you know, we were talking about law enforcement and such, and, and I'd be remiss, and I wanted to talk about this earlier, just didn't get to it. But the escaped killer, Daniello Calvacante, um, broke into a garage stealing a rifle, a twenty-two caliber rifle, and was shot at seven times by the homeowner. This is the individual that escaped the, the Philadelphia area prison, and uh, they've been on the, the search for since then, but... Uh, they're closing in. 
It, it is just a matter of time, just like I said the last time. I would be surprised if by the weekend he's not in custody. They, By they, I mean the Pennsylvania State Police, the local police down there. Our Pennsylvania Game Commission, which has a special operations division that you wouldn't imagine, that have perfected what they do because they do it in Pennsylvania. We just talked about uh, Byron Dixon, uh, the, the state trooper, with that... Uh, that person who shouldn't be breathing any air at all that uh, committed that ambush attack. You know, the search went on for months. And, um, you know, they learned a lot of lessons during that time. They learned how to do these things during that time. And to do these things tactically and carefully so there's no further loss of life, be it to them, the officers that are out there doing this, the community, or the individual. You know, I know there's talks out there that they've been given the order to shoot to kill and, and this and that. And that's it's the last thing anyone wants to do. They want to take this gentleman to custody peacefully and quietly without incident. That's the goal for any of these incidents. If he resists, if he does anything that necessitates deadly force, then I'm, I'm sure they're trained and not, not afraid to use it. And nor they should be afraid to use it. But now that he is armed, it's kind of up this game. Even if he puts, even if he discards the rifle, unless they find it and can confirm it's discarded, and that's the rifle that he took, he's considered armed at this point. So any sudden movements, any movement in the dark, any quick grabbing for anything, um, authorizes deadly physical, deadly force. Because, um, you know, he has up this game. He has stolen a weapon. He's simply not looking to escape. He's looking to escape and defend himself. And as a criminal, as a convicted murderer, that's to be taken extremely seriously. And we need to pay attention to that as the officers do. But this was kind of upgraded yesterday to where, um, you know, they had some sighting on him on the FLIR systems on their helicopter, on their aviation units, which is an infrared that they can look at. They have been monitoring and seeing him on doorbell cameras and such like that where he tried to attempt a co-worker uh, they do not know if he was struck but there is no blood at the scene so they don't believe he was struck but um again as a pennsylvania resident as law enforcement myself my prayers go out to the teams that are hunting this convicted murderer down because he has up the game he has armed himself and like i said this isn't simply someone who's trying to flee, who's trying to escape. He's someone now who's trying to take the offense because he's stolen this rifle. You know, he probably needs food. He probably needs clothes. He probably needs transportation. He does not need a twenty-two caliber rifle, which he's now armed himself with. That's to be taken seriously. This is a different situation now. The tactics have to be tightened down, and these officers need to be more cautious as they move forward. So speed is not the thing here. I know everybody wants him caught. But speed is not the thing in here. Safety is. It's Rob O'Donnell here at WILK. It's top of the hour. We'll be back after these messages. 